You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Team, welcome to the podcast. I call you team because, you know, we're all this this team together, right? Not only just being humans, but caring deeply about independent music and the people who are creating it, whether it's playing in bands, whether it's putting out records, documenting it in some capacity. I feel the older I get, the more passionate I get about this stuff being appropriately documented. But hold, hold on, let's put a pause on my pontification for a moment, because I have to tell you about the guest this week. Clearly, you can read. So Joe Taylor is on the podcast, and he is the lead vocalist for a band called Knuckle Puck, who's a great pop punk band from the Chicago suburbs. And uh, I got keyed into these dudes uh, prior to them getting signed to Rise Records, and then you know they've subsequently put out. I think this is their most recent. Uh, I don't know, like third or fourth full length. I mean, a lot. They are 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 doing the damn thing. So, Joe and I met at Chain Reaction. I interviewed him when I worked uh, at PETA Two, the animal rights organization, doing you know just basically talking to people about animal rights. But he struck me. I just was like. This dude is is more than just kind of meets the eye and just like, you know, a real sort of standard band dude. Because you know what I'm talking about when I mean that, right? Like standard band person. Actually, not band dude. I could just, you know, be very generic about that. Because there, there are people who, you know, have ambitions. Uh, and there are people who are just like, you know, yeah, I'm just going to play in a band and do that. And like not really, I guess, stretch their creative juices and muscles that's yeah you don't stretch juices you stretch muscles but anyways let's let's talk to you about what you need to do to spread the word of the show for one you can email the show always 100 words podcast at gmail.com you uh, i just like to hear feedback from you because you know podcasting is a weird isolating medium and we're all isolated right now and uh, you know having that dialogue is is important so please email the show and tell your friends about this show. That's the best way to, uh, you know, get people dialed into this. And uh, that's all I care about. I just want more people to know about this show that need to know about the show. This, it's never gonna, this thing is never going to be This American Life or Serial or Song Exploder or anything like that. This is never meant to be quote-unquote mainstream. This is for the people who truly care about this stuff in a real deep and nerdy way. So anyways, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a friend over text saying like, I cannot believe how long it's been since I've been to show at, and the last show that I went to was on March 11th of this year, 2020. I saw cult of Luna play here in Los Angeles, California. And, uh, so it's been months and I know we're all feeling this, this weird suspended state of animation. And it, it, you know, every time I, I see like pictures from a show, it just feels like such a you know, far removed world from what we live in now. So I hope you're staying healthy, sane, whatever it takes for you to stay rooted in the thing. Like I know for me, I've been doing this thing on a weekly basis on my Instagram, my personal Instagram at X purpose X. If you want to come hang out, uh, every weekend I've been like going through records and just like talking about the, you know, the bands and you know, why this record is special to me. And it's been really, really helpful for me because sometimes I forget, like, I've got a million stories about like this particular seven inch that, uh, you know, like either has never been told or like no one speaks about this or no one speaks about this band. And I think it's important to discuss that stuff because that that's frankly what me and my friends do. And, you know, when we were able to like hang out in person. And so, yeah, I just, I really miss that. But anyways, I just 
keep yourself rooted in this thing called music because I know it will get us through in the long run. Support local venues in any way you possibly can. Get them through this uh, this horrible time that we're all going through. So anyways, let's talk about Joe. Let's talk about Knuckle Puck. Great band. I, I personally really like what they do. And, you know, they've grown. And they definitely are not going into the, you know, sort of like standard pop punk cliches that a lot of, you know, bands are comfortable existing in, and which that's fine, you know, if that's that's what they're looking for. But Knuckle Puck has always kind of, you know, put, they put, put their own spin and tweak on the formula. So, yeah, I just I was excited when this opportunity came up, and I was like, "Yeah, let's hang out, Joe. Let's do this." So, uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff, and that's what we're going to do right now. And of course, I will talk to you after the episode is over about what's coming up next week. Minor programming note: my audio did not pick up my microphone and just use my computer microphone. It's not a huge deal, but I just wanted you to know I was aware of it, so you should be aware of it too. All right, now here's Joe. Knowing uh, your manager, Mr. Zach Zarillo, for many years, and you know, he told me that, uh, oh yeah, I picked up this band called Knuckle Puck, and you know, and we met obviously at Chain Reaction, and I th- I think that was one of your first U.S. tours, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think it was our first U.S. tour, yeah, which is which is wild. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it feels like 175 years ago, dude. Yeah, I I I was trying to think because obviously I remembered you, but I didn't remember what tour it was on. But it was that was definitely our first full U.S. tour, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I couldn't remember who you played with either. But I, what what struck me about you guys is that um, I mean, for one, you obviously were young at that time. Like, how old were you probably when you did oh, that tour? Man, when on that tour, I think I was that was 2014. So that was six years ago. I was 21. Right. <laughs> and and it, it seemed like, I mean, even though you're 21, you know, you're still a child, like you're still figuring things out. Um, so like, I guess when I, you know, I ask you to transport yourself back into that, you know, time, as far as like the early touring days and kind of like, you know, that whole wide-eyed and bushy-tailed era of the band, how do you reflect on that? Is it one of those things where it feels like, you know, you're the same person, but you're a different person. Like, how does that kind of ping pong in your head? I realize it's a big question, but you know, I was just curious. Oh, I had no idea what was going on, dude. I had no idea what was happening. Um, and like, that's, you know, that's, it's funny because I've definitely been, uh, revisiting since we've been like locked down pretty much. I've been revisiting all of that so much and just, you know, obviously so much of my life and, and everything. And, you know, I just turned 27 in June and I feel like this is the year that I like become an adult. Um, just, just for, you know, in, in so many aspects. Um, but, but yeah, man, like I had no idea what was going on. I was just so excited to like be there and be doing all that stuff. But dude, I had no idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, we hadn't even recorded our first record yet. Right. And, and, and no, that's a really good point. Cause I do think that, you know, when you first start touring, I mean, on, on a more national level, like, you know, once you get out regionally and play outside the state, that's one thing. But then once you do like your first tours and stuff, that's a whole, you know, different ball of wax, but that is an important aspect that, you know, a lot of bands don't get kind of thrust into that. We're touring when we really don't even have like a quote unquote proper full length out. And so you guys were just kind of like, Hey, here's like, eight songs that we play live like because that's all we have out to the world right now yeah and that was it 
that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, thankfully you, you were, uh, you know, headlining where you had to fill a, a 40 minute set where you're like, we literally don't have any more music. I'm sorry. We can't play anymore. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that was it, man. Cause we were, yeah, we were, um, we were technically co-headlining, but we, we, you know, we didn't play last any night. And there were a few times where we got done playing and people would be like, one more song, one more song. And like, maybe we could have, but like if we had another song, we could have, but we did not have any more songs. That was it. <laughs> right. You're like, we could do a cover, but we can't play anything else. Yeah. We could do a cover, but we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a weird vibe as an encore. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Here's a uh, fallout boy. Tell that Mick. Cause that's what we got. <laughs> totally. That's totally. That's what we got in our back pocket. <laughs> Right. Or, or the cover that, you know, you guys did just because you like love the band, but you know, it's not going to go over well from a cover perspective. You're like, Oh yeah, here's a youth of today cover. And it's like, Oh geez. Like the, the kids are not going to know this song. Yeah, dude. No, it was, um, Oh, what was the song? We covered some random, I'm not like a big hardcore guy, but we covered, sure. what was it? Um, I'm going to Google it really quick. Was it behind these walls? Is that, Oh, from turning point. Ah, uh, dude, I don't remember, man. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> it's something. Maybe it's not behind these walls. It's something. Something. It's a, yeah, you played a song and it did not go over well. <laughs> no, I mean, dude, like it was crazy because I didn't know. Like I said, I'm not like the heaviest I go into like hardcore is like Snapcase. Sure, right. And and this was like, dude, I'm I'm like I'm upset. I'm blanking on the song, but it was like a heavy song, and we, you know, John, our drummer, was like, we should play this, and we were like, okay, and and. I think it was John and Kevin that were, were into the band that we, that we had covered. And, um, yeah, dude, I was like, I don't know this, but this is pretty cool. <laughs> and people yeah. would mosh and stuff and I'm like screaming. I don't, I, you know, I have no idea, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 lo- I love that because I, I think it is, you know, especially when you are in your you know early stages of starting the band and playing out and stuff like that, you know, it, it's not like anybody, they, nobody is saying stuff is a bad idea. Usually you're just like, oh, let's try it. Like, that's fun. Like, we'll just yeah. do that. Yeah, it's like, no, exactly. Yeah. And then you, and then you realize like, oh, maybe if we, you know, didn't do, uh, you know, an entire cover set of this, like that, that probably is not the best vibe for the show. Let's <laughs> just like, come on guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, putting the focus kind of, you know, on you as an individual, um, you know, I know obviously the band comes up from the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, were you kind of like born and raised in that same area or did you relocate there? Um, no, yeah, I grew, I grew up on the South side, uh, the South suburbs of Chicago in like, like pretty much all over. I moved around a lot when I was younger, so it was just like house to house, but it was always in that general area. Um, which kind of worked out because I had like when I, when I finally met everybody in the band and like, we kind of got the band together, there were all these like, um, all these like strings of like, like I knew Kevin's cousin. I, I played hockey with Kevin's cousin, um, you know, and Nick and Kevin, like I, I lived a mile away from Nick for a while. I lived a mile away from Dan Lampton from real friends for a while. So like I was very much like everywhere and I knew like a bunch of people. Um, and so, so yeah, so yeah, in the south suburbs, man, like all over. Band merch is my game. And Rockabilia is the place where you should be looking for all of your band merch needs. So first of all, go to rockabilia.com. Use this code PC100Words. That's the letters PC, the number 100, words. And that will get you 15% off your entire order 
great company. They have so much merch that you'll you'll probably spend hours when you first go on their website being like, oh, I wonder if they have this. Oh, I wonder if they have this. It's such great stuff. Independently owned. Ships from the Midwest, so you'll get your order fast. And let's be honest, the holiday season is right around the corner. So get your stuff in now. Get your orders in so you can have it all gift-wrapped and ready to roll when Christmas rolls around. Because, uh, you know, let's be honest, like, no one likes when you get something, you know, like two weeks after the fact. But Rockabilia will make sure you are outfitted or your friends and family are outfitted in all of the band merch possible. So again, PC 100 Words gets you 15% off your order. Have fun browsing around their website, rockabilia.com. Why, uh, why were you guys moving so much? Was it just one of those things like, oh, you know, move it on up or like, oh, we got to, you know, relocate to get oh, closer to the job or whatever? No, it was like single parent household, you know, struggling with rent and stuff like that. And so that was pretty much it. By the time I was 17, I had lived in like 18 houses, um, like a side, like not counting, like staying with family members and stuff like that. Right. The hustle was real. The hustle was real, man. It yeah. was very real. And when did your, uh, did, were you attached to uh, siblings as well or were you an only child? Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I have a little sister, um, who also, so it was me, my mom and my little sister moving around all the time. Got it. And, uh, when did your dad, I guess, go out of the picture? Uh, I never knew him. Oh really? Okay. Got it. And yeah. you still, still to this day have no clue or you've been no, curious? No, I, I know. But I don't, I don't like, no, no, but I, I know who he is and stuff like that. Got it. You just have no relationship with him. Yeah, no. Nice. Nice. Well, not nice, but that, that's no, the way that, I mean, it is what it is, man. Like, you know, I'm 27 now. Like I'm, like I said, like, and that's part of like everything I've been thinking about and, you know, just like becoming, like I said, like this is the year that I like become an adult. And so like, you know, growing up and all that stuff. Like, like growing up now, not just like growing up in my life, but like now, like really approaching like a lot of things that maybe I've been avoiding in my life. Mm -hmm. Well, I think to your point behind that, a lot of the times you're not, you know, either emotionally mature or be able to like actually put it in context. Like, you know, that whatever the saying youth is wasted on the young, it's like, you know, like, yeah, you're dumb when you're young and that's like the part of the charm behind it. But then, yeah, there are certain things that you kind of run into where it's like, oh yeah, I gotta like, I gotta reckon with this and see what this means to me. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I just realized yesterday, I like talking about like the perspective thing, like I, a, a reason, and I, dude, I just realized this yesterday. I was, I was talking to my girlfriend and I was like, holy shit. Um, can I swear in here? Oh yeah. 100%. No problem. No problem. Cool. But I was like, I was like, holy shit. I kind of realized why I fell into music so hard. Like I was, you know, four, five and six, I would listen to like the Backstreet Boys and like NSYNC and, and like country stations, like whatever my mom would listen to. And, uh, when I was like five or six, I, I think I was six and I was, and I was getting like, now that's what I call music CDs. So oh, I had yeah. like, dude, so I had like one, two and three, and then I had like one of the Christmas ones and I was still like, you know, listening to the Backstreet Boys songs on those CDs, whatever. Um, but I found Everclear father of mine and like, listened to that now. And, and that like hit me crazy because, you know, like when you're a kid, yeah. Like you try to figure out like reasons for certain things being the way that they are. And most of the time, like, you know, shame is a, is a factor. And so like, 
kids will kind of blame themselves at times. And like, I don't, I don't really remember like blaming myself too much as like a young kid. Like maybe I did, but when I found that song, it like gave me perspective on like a real world. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And so like I, from, from six years old on, like I, dude, I fell into like that and Blink-182 and then I found the suicide machines and I just fell head first into like music and like rock and punk rock and stuff. Well, it's a beautiful sentiment because I think you hit the nail right on the head where you yourself are not at an age in which you can express yourself, uh, you know, appropriately or understand that, like, like you said, the blame doesn't fall on you that you're, you know, you feel alone, but you're like, no one else is experiencing this. And then when you hear someone put a voice to it, you're like, oh, okay. Like that's how you say that. And that's how you experience that. So that's really, really cool that you, you know, found that solace in that. Yeah, man. And then you, and you also realize like, you're not alone. It's not like this, um, you know, isolated incident, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then yeah, there are other people that have either experienced it or, you know, felt what you feel. And yeah, and I think it just makes the world that much smaller, especially when you're seeing it through the lens of music too, where you're like, oh, here's this person that, you know, yes, maybe quote unquote broken in some capacity, but you know, they've been able to like, you know, get up on a stage and play guitar. Like that's sick, <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. That's cool. And so, you know, I, I guess kind of in the experience of, you know, moving so much and kind of having that, you know, a lack of, I guess, roots from a stability perspective, you know, did you find yourself, you know, I guess acting out at all, at all when you were a kid? Like, did you care about school? Were you, you know, rambunctious or was it kind of like, oh no, like, yeah, I just kind of, you know, stuck to what I, what I did and what I knew. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I didn't act out any more than than other kids. I I definitely like ended up relying on myself a lot more than my peers at like a younger age. And from that, I feel like I had a pretty good like sense of self and like I had a moral compass. Maybe it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like the the most like um, pure moral compass. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I like I, I stayed away from drinking and, and all that stuff throughout high school. Um, and, uh, but like, I, you know, I, I would steal stuff in high school, <laughs> Sure, <laughs> but, you know, but what, you know, once I got a little bit older, I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that stuff. <laughs> but, sure. But you know, general, I, general teenage sort of, you know, rambunctiousness, nothing that like would, you would define looking back on it as being, um, you know, self-destructive because of, you know, what you, the, like you said, the sort of maybe shame that you could have been feeling at one point. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I just, yeah, I, I had a, I feel like I had a really strong sense of self and I was very self-reliant and, and yeah, yeah. So that's cool. And was you, I'm going to presume that, you know, were you kind of a, a latchkey kid where, you know, because your mom was out there, oh, you know, yeah. trying to, okay. So like <laughs> you, you pretty much came home from school and were like, well, here's a bowl of cereal. I'm going to watch some cartoons for a while. And, you know, kind of maybe I'll do some homework at some point. Oh no, I never did my homework. Got it. <laughs> never. <laughs> Got it. So you just, just bad at school straight up. Well, no, I was really good at taking tests. Okay. Um, so like, yeah, like I remember one thing that like, freaked me out or not freaked me out, but like made me kind of realize like, Hey, I'm not stupid. Like I got, I was placed into like advanced like language and literature classes when I was in seventh grade. And then they quickly kicked me out because I wasn't doing my homework. Right. Um, but I was like, wait, so I am smart. Cool. (laughs) 
Sure. It's funny too, because I think that, you know, I mean, a lot of high school and, you know, junior high is kind of like learning how to play the game. Like most kids that aren't, you know, extremely studious or like, oh, I want to get valedictorian. You kind of understand that like, okay, if I put X amount of effort into it, I'm going to get a B and that will then, you know, my parents will leave me alone or whatever. Most kids do that calculus, you know, in my mind. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, it sounds like that's what you did where you're like, okay, if I don't do any homework, but I like do well in the test, I'll get a C and I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Except <laughs> I almost, I almost did get kicked out of high school my freshman year. Um, uh, well, I went to, I went to a private school. So like my grades were so bad that they were like, Hey, you failed too many classes. Um, do you even want to go here? And I was like, yes, I do want to go here. Like I, cause my other, op- my other option was like, um, a public school, which all my friends went to and they were all smoking pot and you know, whatever, like that kind of stuff. And like, I didn't really want to be in that scene of things. And so I was like, no, I, I do want to go here. So like, what can I do? And they were like, all right, well, you failed, you know, six classes. So they were like, you automatically have two summers of summer school. So <laughs> after my freshman year, I had summer school and I automatically had summer school after my sophomore year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're like, hey, we got your next two summers planned out, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, all right, but I can come back, right? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, 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 I mean, that's cool that you at least had a roadmap to be like, okay, I can still be here and this is what I got to do. Like, cool. All right. You know, now I know. Yeah, exactly. And it, and once again, like all of those things, like, you know, from seventh grade to that, like all of those things really hammered in like, and, and reassured like the sense of self that I did have. Mm-hmm, sure. And I think that's a really important point because I, I think that, you know, when you are forced to become self-reliant either, you know, through the fact that you're, you know, an only child or, you know, what you were kind of, you know, going through, of uh, being like, well, I, I literally have to take care of myself because, you know, my mom is out there, you know, doing, doing the Lord's work, trying to provide a house for us. You, you then appreciate the fact that like, oh, I'm glad I went through that because I know how to like tie my shoes, you know, as opposed to some of my friends who maybe didn't learn how to tie their shoes until they're like 13 or something, you know, that's a random example, but you know, no, no, I, yeah. I mean the, the analogy sticks. It's a hundred percent accurate, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you were kind of, you know, uh, navigating that world where, you know, you felt comfortable in your own skin and you were kind of, well, maybe you didn't feel comfortable in your own skin, but you're really self-reliant. Um, you know, did you kind of find yourself, I mean, music, like you said, was kind of a through line. Did you, you know, do sports? Like, you know, what sort of, uh, I guess, crew did you keep when you were in high school? So I, I played hockey from the time I was like five to 14. So, so my, I played hockey up through my halfway through my freshman year. So the first semester, and that was when I got placed on academic probation. And so I got kicked off the team, but I still had to go to practice or not practice. I'm sorry. I had to go to the games, but automatically three days a week were freed up for me. So I had all this, cause like I had played guitar casually. Like I, you know, I was this whole time I was, you know, music, it was like music and hockey for me. And so, um, yeah. So when I got kicked off the team, I was like, Hey, I have so much more time. And then, <laughs> sure. at, and then after my, my first semester or like halfway through my second semester, I had told my family, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to play. Or I told my mom and my grandma, like, I don't want to play hockey anymore. I'd rather spend this time like playing guitar. Like I've gotten so much better at guitar now. And you know, they were kind of like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. 
And so like all my focus just shifted to playing music and like really, you know, exploring all that stuff. Well, that's cool that you came to them with, uh, you know, a plan. <laughs> like, I just like that idea of you being like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to quit, you know, hockey or whatever. But then you're like, uh, but to substitute that, I'm going to do this because, you know, sometimes most kids are just kind of like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore because I don't feel like it. And then parents are just like, huh? Like, well, you got to do something like you can't just sit around the house all day, you know? Yeah, dude. And, and you know, it's crazy because I remember now, like when I did that, I... Like after that, you know, I had done like odd jobs for my uncle or whatever. And then I had saved up um, enough money that I bought like an, a little condenser, like an MXL, you know, 990 USB mic. And, you know, um, I, I tried to like, I, you know, I, I tried Fruity Loops. I had no idea how to program anything, but like, you know, I could like sing into a microphone then and like record my guitar, which I you know, I only had like a, an electric guitar. I didn't have an acoustic, but like, I, I just like, I got this microphone. I was like, dude, I can record music now. Like, you know what I mean? And it was just like, the door was open. Sure. The tools were given to you and you were now like, Hey, this is what I feel like I can do. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that's really cool. So I, I'm going to kind of guess that because that world opened up to you, that that was really kind of all you cared about at that point. Oh yeah. And yeah. And then school was like, even more like, well, all I have to do is get a C now. Like you said, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. It's like, now that I have this, uh, uh, this life path that's set in front of me, I'll be able to just focus on that. Like whether it's practical or not, doesn't matter to me. I'm just, I, this is what I want oh, to pursue. Man. Dude, I heard from so many people that it wasn't practical. Like, you know what I mean? Like not, not really like my mom or anything. My mom left me alone about that kind of stuff. Um, but but yeah, just from people like, oh, and then throughout high school, like, oh, where are you going to go to college? And I'm like, I'm not going to college. And people are like, well, there's a lot of grants and stuff like that. And I'm like, do you know how much, do you know how expensive college is? Like nobody, I remember being in high school and people being like, oh, I'm going to go here to college. And I'm like, do you know how much 28 grand is a year? Do you <laughs> right. understand how much money that is? <laughs> like, dude, you know what I mean? Like I, and I was, it was blowing my mind. And like, I know so many people now that are even like, oh my God, I got scammed when I signed these loans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I just, I love that idea of the, again, the practical nature of it where it's like, oh, I'm quitting hockey, but I'm going to do this. And then you just looking at the actual finances and being like, hey, this, this is not adding up. I can't believe you're spending this much money on college. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to talk crap on that. Like, no, you, know, no, you go no, to no. school, you do your thing, you, you do what you want in life. But like, yeah, I was like mind blown. Like, well, I couldn't even get my mom to give me like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. You're like, <laughs> how the, how the heck am I going to get her to, you know, spend 30 grand on my education when like, you know, we're, yeah, we can, we can, we can hardly, you know, be able to, you know, make the rent for this month. That's a, that's an undue burden on her. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like I knew that there was no college fund. I knew that like, if I was going to go, I was going to have to pay for it. And dude, I was not ready to make that financial commitment for myself. Yeah, I, I totally get that. That's, and I mean, frankly, that was, you know, kind of in the DNA of how you were brought up because you were self-reliant. You were like, I can't, I literally can't look to anybody else to be able to, you know, take care of me. I mean, obviously like your mom and your grandma, you know, and your, your sister would take care of you, but not to the extent where it's like, Oh, where am I going to come up with this money? It's like, Oh yeah, I guess I'll take out a loan. Really? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. I'm excited to tell you about a new record from a band called Within the Ruins. The record is called Black Heart, and it comes out November 27th, 2020. This record shreds. I had heard this band's name for quite some time. It's coming out on E1 slash Good Fight Music, like I said, on the 27th. Let's listen to a song called Black Heart, and you will hear the punishment that I am talking about. Well, I haven't talked about it yet, but the track is punishing, so let's check it out. Yes, right? That's really, really good stuff. And this is their sixth record. Like, these dudes are not messing around. They've been on the road for quite some time. They're road tested. And uh, yeah, I just, I really like what they do. So go visit within the ruins blackheart.com and you can check out all the pre order packages, pre save packages, all that stuff. But again, within the ruins, Blackheart is out the 27th of November on E1 slash Good Fight great record check it out were you you've always struck me you know for uh, as long as i've known you and you know existed around you that you know you're a very outgoing and affable guy where you know most people would be like oh yeah like joe nice guy um has that always kind of been who you are as a person or is that something that you know you've kind of uh, i guess grown into be or you know where, where do you kind of place yourself on that spectrum i yeah i feel like i've always been pretty outgoing um yeah, because because you know, like especially with like starting the band and stuff, like I was the one that was like annoying everybody. Like I, you know, a mutual friend in high school, his name is Tommy. He was like, dude, you know, because I was trying to start a band and like I had a band and like the people in it like weren't serious. And so my senior year, I was I had a class with Tommy, and I was like, and I, you know, or I'm sorry, my junior year. I had a class with Tommy and I would not shut up about like starting a band. And he was like, dude, just, just hit up my friend. Like he's the best drummer I know. Like he's so good. You know, he plays in bands and all this stuff. And so I, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I finally met John and I met him one time and, and you know, Tommy was like, yeah, that's, that's the dude. And, and I was like really nervous to talk to him cause he, he looked like he's way older than us. Uh, but he's, he's my age, like in my grade, but I thought he was like 23 dude. <laughs> And so I was like, I was like scared of him. So I didn't really say much to, to John. And then like after the summer, it was like fall. And, and I, I had known Kevin, our other guitar player from high school. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that John, I knew that Kevin and John knew each other. So I was hitting up Kevin, like, Hey, Kevin, uh, can you get me in contact with John? Cause I tried messaging John on Facebook and he ignored me. And then, um, I asked, I just texted Kevin one day and I was like, or I messaged him on Facebook. I was like, Hey, can you give me John's number? Like, I know you have John's phone number. (laughs) And so I just like called John one day and I was like, Hey, uh, what's up? Like, this is Joe Taylor, like, you know, whatever. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, uh, I'm mowing my lawn right now. Um, what's up? And I was just like, do you want to jam? And he was like, I I mean, I guess like he couldn't say no at that point. So like, to make all these things happen, I, I, you know, I really had to like be outgoing because otherwise, like I realized that people were not going to come to me. Like no one, if I was quiet, cause like, I, I mean, I was quiet when I was younger, but you know, in high school, I realized like people aren't just going to find me and like make things happen for me. Um, 
so so yeah so i i feel like i've been you know out, outgoing to just try to make things happen sure you had to, you understood that you had to like put yourself out there in order to get the thing that was you know inside your head into a reality yeah and that's the only reason i sing in the band too because like not like oh nobody else would do it but it was like who's going to sing well i guess it's me because if i don't sing then no one's going to sing and then we don't have a singer <laughs> I know I I love through the you know most independent bands you know from like the hardcore punk variety it's like the singer always is just like oh that person's loud like let's just throw a mic on them you know <laughs> it's it's never like oh this person is clearly the most talented vocalist so let's go ahead and use them yeah well and the other thing was too like well did anybody else write any lyrics no okay well here we go <laughs> That's so good. I love that. Where it's like, hey, you showed up with a notebook? Like, all right, cool. You're the singer, bro. Way to go. <laughs> it literally, yes. That's how it happened. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, it, it's so funny. Like, it's almost like a tale as old as time. It's like for as long, for as long as I've been doing the show and just speaking to other people, it's like most, most people fall into that position in a real, real way. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I love it. Um, so then, you know, as you started to kind of pursue the first bands and really started to, you know, having the rubber meet the road in regards to, you know, you putting yourself out there and messaging people on Facebook and putting all this stuff together, um, you know, as you did it, did it, I guess, live up to the expectations that you were already kind of placing in your head for it? Or was it kind of like, oh, like, this is hard work. I didn't, I didn't expect this to look like this. Or how did it, how did it transpire? It felt like magic. Honestly, like the first time I ever jammed with a drummer, because like I, I had in like early in high school, like after I quit hockey and stuff, like sophomore, junior year, I had like my best friend at the time, we, um, we, you know, he was a guitar player and like we would write songs together and, but we never could find a drummer. And by the time we found a drummer and we, me and him got together with, you know, this drummer, we, we played and I was like, oh my God. You know, we just played like some Taking Back Sunday covers or, you know, and some original songs that that me and uh, me and Richard had written together. Um, I haven't talked to to Richard in, you know, uh, probably 10 years now. So, like, I have no idea what he's doing. So if if you hear this. Hello. Yeah. Holler holler at Joe. (laughs) Yeah, he probably won't, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, Put it out in the world. Yeah, we'll put it out there. I miss you, buddy. Um. (laughs) But, but yeah, we, you know, we jammed with this drummer, Chris down the street from me and dude, it was, yeah, it was magical. And I was just like, oh my God. And then that dude was like, not really interested because he went away to school. Actually, he was older than us, uh, the drummer. And, um, so yeah, man, we like lost a drummer and I was like, no, it was like the pitfall of like, right at the time I was like, no, how are we ever going to find that again? Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, and, and dude, when we got, when I jammed with John for the first time, I was like, what the fuck? You're like, this is the real deal here. This is, I was like, this is the guy right here. <laughs> no, I, I love that, especially with the idea that like you, once the creative thing kind of, you know, takes shape and you're like, this song literally didn't exist before this thing that we have built, you know, with, with, with terrible playing and, you know, clunking around in our guitars and drums and stuff. It's like, it, it does feel like magic. You're like, this didn't exist until now. 
Yeah, man. Well, and you know, when, so when I first jammed with John, like it was just me and him in his bedroom. Like I said, I called, I cold called him and he was like, I'm mowing my lawn. And right. I was like, well, okay. Well, when do you want to jam? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got together maybe like the next week or that week or whatever. And I remember like bringing my amp into his bedroom and just like looking at him and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy hates me. He looks pissed. Um, and he, you know, he's sitting behind his drum kit and he, and he He's like, all right, well, what do you want to play? And I was just like, I don't know. What do you want to play? <laughs> and then we just started throwing like songs of like, you know, like modern pop, like pop punk bands at the time. And, you know, we just started like playing stuff and, you know, maybe we'd get through half a song and then be like, oh, that was kind of cool. Let's try that again. Um, but dude, you know, in that moment, I was like, this is the guy. And then like, I remember like, dude, like, right. Cause that was. October that we jammed and then uh Kevin came home for uh Thanksgiving break and so I like had written a song at the time I was like living with my grandma and so I was in her, I was in the spare bedroom at her place and I like wrote our first song which was a, which is a song called Stuck which you can still hear now and I like wrote it in the bedroom and I had an acoustic guitar at this point and I still had my MXL microphone. And so I recorded really crappy and like audacity. I recorded like the rhythm and the leads. And I was like, you know, I, I wrote the lyrics and everything. And then, you know, I went to, to John's and Kevin came over or no, I went to John's and, and we just jammed the song. And I was like, this is the song. Cool. And then Kevin came over and I was like, yeah, man here are the leads. Can you, can you play these or can you play the rhythm? Whatever. You know, I don't remember who did what, but, but that was like, that was like, you know, we just kind of threw this song together and like had all this fun doing it. And then like, that's something that still exists in the knuckle puck catalog, like today, which, you know, that blows my mind. That's, <laughs> that's not something I think about too often. Sure. Yeah. Like where, where this stuff you know, came from and like, is still a part of your DNA. Yeah, man. No, that's really, really cool. And so, you know, as you were pursuing the path of like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to college and like, you know, like I'm just going to focus on this music stuff, whatever that may mean. Um, was, was it one of those things where, uh, you know, you were kind of just, you know, I presume obviously working like, you know, random jobs, like you said, you know, doing stuff for your uncle or what have you. Um, was there any kind of, I guess, pressure to be like, Hey Joe, like figure your life out, dude. Like, you know, this music stuff's cute, but like, what the heck are you doing? Um, not from anybody immediately. Uh, like, like, you know, I had like a whole conversation with my mom cause I went to, I went to community college for, I technically was enrolled for two semesters, but I only went for one. Um, I So I went for the first semester and I actually did all my classes. I had like a business management class, like management 101, which honestly, that helped me so much because like I learned a lot of, you know, granted it was super basic stuff, but like gross and net. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't know what that is, um, sure. especially people in bands. And so like, I kind of like learned that stuff and... Um, you know, I, it wasn't like a mastermind kind of like, oh my God, now we got a business. Like I, I didn't even realize how that would apply to the band at all. Cause I was like, this, this shit's stupid. Honestly, I was like, this, this is all easy, dumb classes, whatever. And, um, I got to my second semester and 
you know, they were running, they were playing um, Batman, the animated series, and then they would play uh, Batman Beyond right after on TV. So I couldn't go to class. I had to like, once I started investing myself into the Batman series, I had to like follow yeah, through on right. that. Of course, you got to finish it, right? <laughs> so so dude yeah so uh, you know i was like i I can't go to class right now i gotta i gotta i really need to watch this um so so, yeah especially especially batman the animated series a classic unbelievable so good and i don't know if you've seen batman beyond but also so good i actually haven't seen that but now i now i know what i'm doing (laughs) dude exactly you gotta go check it out it's great yeah absolutely Um, so well, I, no, it's cool that you had that, uh, you know, like you're able to have those like real world principles be able to be like, oh, like this is what can be important for my band in some way. As you, you know, started to like, you know, actually play shows for, you know, more than just like five people. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, cause then we, yeah, we'd make like, you know, a hundred dollars or something and it'd be like, okay, what do we do with this hundred dollars? <laughs> we can either all get 20 right now or we can save it. Right. So we, we can open up a bank account under one person's name. Right. Yeah. Well, we didn't, honestly, we didn't do that until many years later. We had, right. yeah, we had like, like a hundred dollars and then a hundred dollars. And then we were like, you know, let's buy 20 shirts and yeah. you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, so like I had a whole conversation with my mom, like, I don't really want to go back to school and she cried. Sorry, mom, but yeah. she cried. No, that's, that's, that's rough. Cause I, usually it's coming from a place of, um, you know, protection. They're just worried about you. It's not so, I mean, cause the idea of like, Hey, I'm going to play in a band. It's like, most people are just like, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand that. Are you, you're going to make money off that? Come on. Yeah, exactly. And my, you know, her whole thing was like, I don't want you to struggle like we did. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to either. Obviously. Like I, I don't want that. And like, but, it, but I was also like, if I don't pursue this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Sure. And, exactly. And so, yeah. So you, that's, that's where the trigger was pulled. Um, did you, so, you know, as you started to kind of get out there and start to, you know, understand, like you were talking about those, I guess, business implications of a band, uh, was it one of those things where you were comfortable dealing with the business side of things? Or did that something that came later where you're like, well, you know, I guess I have to care about this because of, you know, the band needs to be functional. Yeah, a hundred percent that because because okay. so our other guitar player and singer Nick he had a full time job he had a salary and benefits he's a year older than me um, like in school and everything and in real life a year older than me but he was working at like a school and was like you know training to be like the head engineer at the school you know hopefully five years from then um, and. So he actually was the one that like funded, like when we did our first EP, it's only three songs called don't come home. We, you know, he split it with us. Like it was, you know, a $1,500 EP or whatever. And he paid half of it. And then the me, Kevin and uh, John, we paid, you know, we split the rest of it three ways. Um, Cause I was doing like landscaping and stuff like that and trying to save money mm-hmm. uh, to do things. But, but yeah, it was definitely like, a, okay, well, if we want this to make sense, then we need to kind of make it make sense financially. Sure. Yeah. Especially when you were talking about the idea that there was actual stakes at play from people being like, 
oh yeah, I'm like quitting the job that I'm doing. I'm like, this is like a career job, you know? Yeah. I felt really bad about that for a long time, honestly. Cause I was like, I hope this pays off because like at that point, you know, I was more worried about like his, you know, cause like, cause his mom was like, Nick, are you sure you want to do this and, and quit your job? You have a good job. And you know, his luckily his other members of his family were like, you got to go do this, you know? And so that really, I think really, you know, pushed him in a good direction to be like, we got this. And all of us were even like, we got this. And so dude, it was like full steam ahead. Sure. Blind, blind optimism, you know, (laughs) dude, a hundred percent, man. That's my whole life, man. Right. It's like, well, you know, if this doesn't work, then I'll figure something else out. And I, honestly, that does speak to the, you know, probably the nature of which you were raised, where it's just like, oh, okay, like, you know, yeah, we have to make adjustments and move or whatever. It's like, okay, that's just something that happens as opposed to like, oh, the world falls down around us as we have to change. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, the something I find interesting too, because, you know, your, your band, you know, when you guys obviously started to tour, like clearly, you know, pop punk has, you know, been in the ecosystem now from an independent music perspective for a long time. And, you know, uh, the, the idea of not being like a cliched band in the genre is a real difficult thing to do. And (laughs) I'm sure there is many, there's been many times where it's like, you know, Oh, like you guys get written off where it's like, Oh yeah. Like they're just like a terrible pop punk band or whatever. Or it's like, Oh yeah, they're just like every other band. And I I know that that is clearly out of your control. Like you, you can't alter people's opinions about that except, you know, by writing the music that you guys write. Is it, uh, does that kind of like, I guess, sit around in your brain at all as being like, Oh, like we're never going to be taken quote unquote legitimately because, you know, we are this type of band or whatever. Or is that just something where you're like, well, we just got to push against this and show them that we are actually, you know, a good rock band or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that's interesting because we've, we've only ever, cause obviously we love this type of music and like, we, you know, we don't just make this kind of music because we thought people would like it. Um, right. You're not pandering. Yeah. When we make music, we really are, even when we started this band, we wanted to make music that we wanted to hear in the, in the scene or in the genre or whatever you want to say, like what, you know, we really would think like, well, what's kind of missing from our perspective, like what's missing and what rocks our socks off. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we've, and we pay attention for the most part. I don't listen to, to too many of like our contemporaries, like the, the current, um, the current climate of the music, like, and who's putting out what honestly, like, and I'm not trying to be rude to anybody. Um, dude, I've been listening to like strictly Paul McCartney discography for the last like seven months. Right. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I like, you know, I, we just want to make music that we think's good. And, and, you know, obviously we, we, I'll check it out. I'll see what's going on, like in the climate of, of everything. And we'll take some cues from it. And like, there's some, you know, there's some cool stuff going on, but like in my, in, you know, and dude, like, I don't know, I'm not going to say what I was just going to say, but I, I love our band in this scene. And I think that like, you know, a big question that we've always asked is like, what, like asked ourselves is what do we bring to further 
everything that that is existing musically because we don't want to be just that whatever oh yeah that's that pop punk band that sounds like every other pop punk band and like people could feel the way that they want to feel like i can't change what people are hearing but mm-hmm. when i hear us i hear something a little bit different than what is you know what is surrounding us and you know i don't want to say unique or like talk ourselves up i'm not trying to stroke our ego but like i said i just i think that we do bring a little bit of a different angle to this whole thing. Like I feel like we're a little bit more aggressive, but we also, you know, started to care about like more melodic things. And like now our thing, like even with our new album, like we wanted to make something and we've always wanted to make something, but makes, I'm sorry, make something that we will still like and care about 10 years down the road. Something that I can go listen to, you know, and, and especially with copacetic and shapeshifter and all that stuff, something I can go back and listen to and go, damn, that's pretty good. Like we, you know what I mean? Like we actually did something. No, it's a, and you saying that kind of shook something loose in my head where it's like, it's, you know, I mean, most bands want to make a timeless record and, you know, that's difficult to obtain. But the thing that I think some bands fall into is that like, you can listen to a record and you can almost pinpoint what year it came out, you know? And like, I think those are the ones that are, you know, like you were talking about, it's kind of like, you know, pandering to a moment or whatever, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you know, I'm not here to argue that, but it just the idea that you can listen to your discography and kind of be like, yo, that could have came out in 2007 or 2014. It's tough to pin down, you know? And I I think that that probably is why the fact that your band doesn't get, um, you know, too much of the, oh, they're just a cheap ripoff of Newfound Glory or whatever, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, I I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Hey, no problem. You you guys aren't terrible. Way to go. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, like, what else could we ask for? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, all all of us, we're just trying to barely be competent. That's all we're trying to do in life. (laughs) I'm incredibly excited to tell you about one of my favorite new companies that I discovered. So just go to getbeast.com. It is the best, like, body wash, self-care solution that I have ever encountered in my life. So they shipped me a box full of like body wash and soap. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, for me personally, I'm vegan. And I was like, oh, this is cruelty-free and vegan. Like, all right, I'm, I'm very excited about that. But then once I took it into the shower and started using this stuff, I was like, dude, this is amazing. Even my wife, who normally hates the stuff that I like, put on my body in regards to, you know, smelly stuff. She's like, man, this thing, this stuff is so overwhelming. It just, you know, it just, just does not smell good. She was like, what is this? What, what, are you, what are you using? And I was like, look at this beast. Here you go. Check this out. And what's even cooler is they are eco-friendly to max. So they get you this nice aluminum bottle where you can put your body wash in there and then refill it to your heart's content where you're not having to buy all this plastic and put it in the universe. It is great. I love getbeast.com. Just go to their website, check it out, poke around. You'll be able to find a ton of awesome products. You'll be able to sign up for their email list, get a nice discount on that. But I can't tell you how much I love this stuff. And it's vegan and cruelty-free. Love it. So go to getbeast.com and you'll smell better. That's just straight up. That is the reality. So thank you, Get Beast. I will see you in my shower. 
I think it's interesting too. I mean, with the idea, you know, Knuckle Puck as a band, like, you know, I mean, every person has clearly identified like where the band name derives from and, you know, obviously love for hockey and the fact that it's a stick to your gun song. Is it funny being like, you know, I mean, clearly you've probably had a chance to meet the stick to your guns guys and like communicated like, oh yeah, we named our band after you guys in some capacity. Uh, that is it, is it funny when that happens or like, have you guys had that interaction? Um, I have not. I know that Nick, our guitar player and singer, I know that he's talked to one or some of the guys and stick to your guns and we've, you know, we've like exchanged tweets with them like on Twitter and whatnot, but sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because like I think three or four months into being Knuckle Puck, like before we had anything out, or maybe it was right after we put our demo out, you know, John and Nick were like, we should change the name. And I was <laughs> right. like, I didn't even pick the name. Let me just say that John picked the name. And I was just like, no, let's commit to this. Like, like, and they were like, it's stupid. And I was like, yeah but try to think of another name. It's going to be stupid. I was like, right. you know, the only thing that's going to define it is the music that we create. So yes, there have been times where like, I'll never forget when I first told Alan from four years strong, like the first time I met him um, was like backstage at a bottom lounge show in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, shout out to Alan Four Year strong. Like we've, you know, he, he's helped us with songs in the studio and stuff like that. We've done pre pro with him. He's a great guy, great friend. Um, but I'll never forget me and Kevin were talking to him and we're huge four years fans, like huge fans. Sure. And, uh, we were like standing backstage with Alan and we were like, we were like, yeah, like he's, he's like, Oh yeah. What band are you guys in or whatever? And we were like knuckle puck. And he looked at us like someone's dad and was like, Hmm, knuckle puck huh <laughs> and, and i just like died inside i was like no i thought i didn't care about this <laughs> that is so good i love that just like hmm, yeah that's a that's an interesting name <laughs> that, that's a band name <laughs> no but it's i i think the that again that kind of like tale as old as time that you know bands name themselves after other band songs like that will always exist just because it's like Oh, like that's a cool name. I didn't think about it like that. And I think that really just, you know, kind of perpetuates the idea of like influence and obviously trying to like look backwards, you know, it's like clearly stick to your guns. is an important band and a cool band. So like, you know, you guys being able to like give a nod to them to a kid that may not never have checked out that band before. I think that just like helps the general awareness kind of grow even further. So, you know, I think it's a, there's no reason that band should stop doing that, you know? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, last two things I want to hit on was the, you know, since you've toured for, you know, most of your twenties, um, how has your relationship with tour uh, changed over that time? Is it one of those things where you really enjoyed it at the beginning and then kind of like, you know, kind of ran into some of the challenges of the road or have you kind of remained steady in the, you know, you're either, uh, love or, uh, learning to love state of the road. Um, yo, so like going back to what we talked about going into touring, it was like the perfect thing for me because I moved around so much. Um, it kind of made sense to me, um, to just like keep moving around and keep being like, well, like a nomad or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, but I think, you know, halfway through all of that stuff, I kind of started to feel a little like, something and like I didn't really know what it was and 
you know, like I said, especially because we've been locked down, it's all I've been thinking about like a lot of stuff. And what I, what I was starting to feel was that I, I wanted some like consistency and some like permanence somewhere like, you know, growing up and, and, you know, not really having that. I was like, yeah, that's, that's normal for me. I'm used to that. But then, you know, those feelings that I was getting, I, I didn't realize and I've been realizing it now more than ever is those feelings were like, you know, me really wanting to like plant my feet somewhere and like have somewhere that I can like, you know, not only call home, but um, like go back to and, and consistently be at like a place that whether it's, you know, mentally or physically, like a place that I can be at and like rely on. Um, so, I mean, I still love touring and stuff like that, of course. Um but yeah, it's going to be interesting going back to it now, I think, because I've been able to do so many things that I was never able to do before. Um, I went out and bought um, a piano off Craigslist, like a an old Wurlitzer, uh, like 1963 studio upright. And I've been learning piano and I've been saying for 10 years, I want to learn piano, but I haven't had a whole lot of time to like sit down and do it. Um, and, you know, I've been recording like, this solo album thing up in my spare bedroom at home here. And, you know, like I've been able to just, cause I, I've also been like looking at my musical output and you know what that looks like. And I look back and I'm like, dang, like I haven't done really anything for myself. Like I, you know, everything I've just been like, give it to the band, give it to the band. And I feel like the other guys feel that way too, uh, to a degree, you know, and I'm not saying we don't love doing that, but it's like, man, like, if I want to make the memories I want to make, I have to be a little bit more proactive in doing that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, dude, the time at home has been really good, really eye-opening, and it will be interesting to go back on tour again. I, I do, I miss it so much, and I miss playing shows and like, you know, seeing people go off and seeing people respond to the work that we've put into everything and you know the things that we've created and stuff like that. Um, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I know it's a mixture of uh, emotions just because, you know, touring can feel like a job at some points. And then also it can, it can, it, it, it lives in this weird world of like hitting the highs and lows in life in like such real ways that you can't ever describe it. It's like, oh man, sometimes I felt the best that I've ever felt in my life on tour. And then I felt the worst ever <laughs> in my life on tour. And it just, it's such a weird thing to try to be able to like, I guess, appropriately contextualize. Yeah, and with that, I need to I need to say like how extremely lucky we are that we've been able to do that yeah. so consistently and not like, you know, I think a couple of us, not me, but a few of us now have during quarantine have gone out and gotten real jobs to supplement income and you know, like but it's been we've been so lucky to now, you know, go through I'm 27 now and my only real job honestly has been landscaping you know what i mean it's kind of yeah. like freaky right <laughs> no i told I, I totally get it yeah it's it, it's not like look whatever the saying you know looking a gift horse in the mouth it's not saying like oh man tour touring is so rough it's like you know no like you know that's something you've signed up for but it doesn't mean to say that the emotions that you feel you know while you're in this you know weird tour life that aren't they're not real because they are you know 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's something that I didn't really appreciate, the fact that those emotions are real. I didn't appreciate those for a long time because I was just like, well, this is just what we're doing. So like, go do it. And if you feel any negative way about it, get it out of your head because like you're so lucky to be doing this and all these other people like want to see you guys and, and all the other people in the band too. They want to do it. So like just be quiet and do it. And right. that's how I felt for a long time. No, it's a really important point because that's the, the responsibility is then like, you know, <laughs> sort of taken off of you and like your own autonomy is really, you kind of divorced from that. You're just like, well, what? Like, no, but I feel this way. Like, but I, I, you may not feel this way because you're, you know, in this complete, even though we're experiencing the same things, two people react to the same situation differently. So yeah, that's a really important point. Uh, the, uh, the, the idea that, you know, the band has also, you know, and you in particular have this, uh, people pay attention to, you know, you as the singer of the band and, you know, growing up, you know, quote unquote, growing up in public, uh, you know, has its uh, drawbacks. I mean, clearly not to the extent of like, you know, you're not famous, <laughs> you know, you're not A-list celebrity, but there people pay attention to you. And, you know, you've probably had to grapple with that idea that, you know, are people really paying attention to me because they like my band and they think that, you know, by knowing me, there's like some sort of status symbol attached to that. Uh, you know, how'd you kind of navigate that as you started to, you know, come to realize that, maybe that's why people were treating you differently. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I tried to pay no mind to that, honestly. Okay. Um, dude, I, dude, I'm like, I'm back on the flip phone now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, Luddite. I'm serious, man. I'm on the flip phone now. Like I, if, if anybody I messages me, I don't get it until I go to my computer. Um, dude, I, you know, just, the whole like life of incessantly checking my phone and I know this has not a lot to do with me being lead singer of a band, but like just being and being so engrossed in like all of like, Oh, what are people saying about this new song? You know, what is this? What is that? And like, I just, like I said, like if I'm, I don't know if I'm alive right now and I want my output to be something then I need to like be spending my time right now doing those things like because i'm never gonna like you know if i'm if i'm like constantly checking like what people are saying about me or the band or like new songs or this or that then i'm not like getting further like my myself i'm not getting further as a person and so you know i, I i've really tried to not pay a lot of attention to you know people paying attention to me or whatever and you know I, so yeah, I, I, I try not to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And especially now it's like a, so much easier that I'm like, not really on social media. Sure. No, I, it's, I appreciate the honest answer. Cause I think it is, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're just talking about the idea that you're, when you could be spending your time creating, you, you know, can kind of get stuck in, in a, a loop of just, you know, seeing what other people are saying about the art that you're already putting out there. And it's like, well, no, I don't need to be stuck in that. I'm moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, honestly, we put out copacetic our first uh, record and people were like, people loved it. And I was like, Oh, and we were all like, Oh, people love it. And then 
by the time we realized we had to make a second record, we had like no time to make a second record. And, you know, we did it and I love it. And we, you know, we all love it. It's, we listen to it now. It sounds kind of angry and frustrated, but it's cool. Like I, you know, we love that record and I love that record so much. Um, Shapeshifter, but, but yeah, like Copacetic was the perfect example of like us getting caught up in that. Like, oh, people love it. They love it. And then we just kept touring on it and we never like thought beyond it. And like, I think we were also kind of like scared of like how we could top it. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, you know, you, whatever the saying, you have a lifetime to write your first record and then you've got 18 months to write your second record. We had four months. To, well, actually we had two months. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. We had a, you know, we had 20 years before that. I mean, yes, of course, you know, the argument is like, you're, you're not writing music when you're five years old, but like, still, you've got a lot of time to write your first thing. And then the second thing comes up right on top of it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, the uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the fact that, you know, they're, uh, you guys are, you know, by no stretch of the imagination, a quote unquote political band, you know, but you aren't shy about sharing your opinions about, you know, social justice and, you know, the, the things that you guys personally believe in either as individuals or collectively as a band. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there is something that is very, uh, you know, inherent in being an independent band uh, because, you know, you're, you're not just here to entertain people. You're not like, Hey, we're just a rock show. You know, it's like, yes, of course there's entertainment behind that, but you know, you're trying to bring forward some like ethics and uh, you know, personalities behind it. Um, you know, do you, I guess, do you guys get like, you know, negative feedback for, for saying certain things or, you know, kind of stepping up and you guys are just like, well, we just don't care about that because we believe in what we believe in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, I've seen, you know, people have gotten upset at us for saying like, fuck Donald Trump and, you know, black lives matter and stuff like that. But like, dude, people are always going to be upset about that shit. And like, you know, I can't just change someone's mind. And if somebody wants to like not fuck with us because we feel that way, then they can go fuck themselves. Um, (laughs) Sure. Don't don't listen to our band. If, if, you know what I mean? Like if, if that is going to change your opinion on me because I'm, you know, because we were using our platform to say things of that nature, then, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you, you won't relate to what's in the music. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you what to think. And, you know, just like the things that we put out in our lyrics, like, that's not us trying to force people to to think what we think or like, oh, listen to how we feel. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to listen, it's there. And if you don't, there are a million other bands you can listen to. Um, so yeah. And, you know, and I think ultimately too, like when I said like, okay, I I told you I had a conversation with my mom when I wanted to stop going to college. And Mm -hmm. part of that conversation was like, music has helped me in ways that I could never like repay. I can't repay music in general. And so like the only way I know how is to like keep that going. And, And if somebody can relate to music and it can help or our music and it can help them in the ways that music has helped me. That's all I care about. You know what I mean? Like I don't care about if somebody's upset about a a lyric or an opinion or whatever, because people are always going to be upset about those things. But if we can reach one person and it's going to help them in the way that music has helped me, 
that is really all I care about. Sure. Mission accomplished. It, the, the only reason I ask that is not, uh, is the idea that, you know, bands, especially because they feel like there's the idea that, oh, we'll alienate a fan base or whatever. It's not like, you know, a large majority of bands are having these discussions or whatever, because, you know, most feel comfortable expressing their opinion in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, but there isn't a lot of bands that, you know, actively, you know, kind of go out of the way to, you know, say something. And so, you know, that's the reason why, uh, you know, looking at you guys where it's like, okay, like stepping up and doing that, I think is, you know, important because it does, show the fact that you're individuals and you care about something beyond just like, you know, writing the next, you know, sick breakdown or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, like, I don't know, man, like I feel like everybody, everybody's at each other's throats and like, that's why we made the record that we just made 2020. That's why we made it because we wanted to make something that, and that's before quarantine and all this stuff, man. Like we just wanted to make a fun summer record because we love playing our shows so much and we love the feeling that we get from like jumping around on stage and having people sing our lyrics back. We really wanted to make a record that was fun and that made people feel good. And I feel like there's a lot of that missing in the world today because it's like, if you're not with us, you are against us. And that's not how the world works. I'm sorry, but that's like not how it works. You know what I mean? There's, there are gray areas. Like I'm not going to hate on my best friend because his dad's a cop or something like that. Like I, you know what I mean? That's not how the world works. And, you know, I know, and I've seen too much of, of that, like polarization, you know, you you're for this well i can't talk to you if you do this or that and it's like hey man like you know the time that we live in if you look at statistics this is the most divided our country's ever been um you know what i mean like people think that everybody's just trying to like burn the whole place down and i'm not saying that some people aren't trying to burn the whole place down because i you know i see that uh but you know what i mean like dude people people are people like nobody's perfect and that's, that's it. You know what I mean? So yeah, we really wanted to make just like a fun, a fun record, man. Sure. No, no, I totally get that. Well, Joe, thank you so much for hanging out, dude. I really appreciate you going to all these uh, random places I've taken you down. So uh, yeah, thanks for hanging, man. Of course, Ray. Thank you for having me. Okay. That was Joe. Thank you very much, Joe, for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, everybody who helped this kind of come along because I had management and publicists and a bunch of people hitting me up that like, hey, let's have Joe on the show. And we were able to figure it out. So that is what we did. Next week, I have a great conversation. Of course, they're always great, right? Maybe I should find a different adjective. But how about a great, a great conversation with Aaron Marshall from Intervals. Intervals is a instrumental metal band, I guess, you know, pop metal. I don't know what you'd call them, but an instrumental band. And I find this subgenre so fascinating. And Aaron has been doing this for quite some time and uh, just recently released his new record, Circadian, a really, really good record. And I had to have him on because I was like, you know what? Doing instrumental metal that isn't like just terrible and just shredding and masturbatory, um, you know, it's hard to do, but Aaron has achieved that. So, that's what we talk next week. And uh, next week will be Thanksgiving for those of you in America. So, uh, you know, hopefully you get a, you know, a break from all of the craziness of this world and can kind of do what you want that day. <laughs> all right. 
Until next week, please be safe, everybody.